This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Hello and welcome to the Theology Gaming Holiday Shopping Season Podcast. My name is Zachary Oliver and with me today is Andrew Crawford. I'm running out of money. (laughs) Already. We all are running out of money. (laughs) We are voracious consumers and we just can't stop. (laughs) So we thought we'd help you spend less money. Or more, depending on some of our opinions. (laughs) Yeah, or more. So, <laughs> so we're gonna actually have focus today because we only have two people talking and we have a set list of games we want to discuss starting with september and moving our way into december and i'm sure that's the holiday season unless i got something wrong no i'm pretty sure we got the right calendar all right good <laughs> all right so let us begin our first title up is destiny so what do you think of destiny it's not I should preface everything by saying that it was an overhyped holiday game. I thought you were, like, all up in arms about it. You loved it. I do love it, but it was it was put in a bad situation. I mean, like, nothing was ever going to live up to the amount of hype it can have had coming into it. But it wasn't your destiny? <laughs> oh! See, it works perfectly in every single pun I've ever used it in. It, it, it is right for being used in work. That is true. <laughs> All right. So what is Destiny in a couple sentences? Uh, the easiest way to put it in a nutshell is that it is it is a console's first attempt at a... Um, uh, I've all of a sudden I've lost the acronym. What's the acronym I'm looking for? MMO. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> it is a console's first attempt at an MMO. Uh, especially as a first-person shooter. So it's a first-person shooter slash console MMO would probably be the best way to, like, soundbite describe it. Um, and so, you you know, you start off and, you know, your character is kind of resurrected, brought back to life. Uh, and you start off in kind of a starter area. You proceed through, you kind of get, you get your first weapon and all that. And then after that, it's kind of up to you. There is a... Uh, quote-unquote story you know there is like a there is missions that you can kind of progress in a linear fashion uh, but you don't really have to do that if you don't want to it's kind of an open-ended thing from there whether you want to jump straight into the multiplayer which is called the crucible or whether you want to do uh, you know there's a set playlist for doing strictly pve player versus environment type of gameplay you can always jump in with friends and, you know, even if you haven't progressed through the story, you can jump in with friends and play any of the missions, you know, with them. Hmm. So, so it's it, basically Halo the MMO. Yes, in a lot of ways. Although, actually, that's a little bit of a misnomer because gameplay-wise, it's actually a lot closer to Borderlands than Halo. But with kind of the Halo game feel. To yes, it. It, it, it feels like Halo. Which like is a lot you, more solid. Right. Yes, you. I, I've said this before, and it, it actually it, it's pretty true in my experience anyway. When you play Destiny for the first time, it really does kind of feel like that first time you played Halo. Which, depending on your opinion of Halo, is either a good thing or a bad thing. But I think Halo is a really good console first-person shooter. So, if it's similar to Halo, then I think that's pretty good. 
Yes, it, it, it's pretty good. They Bungie nails the things that they've always been really good at, which is making combat feel smooth, making you feel powerful, like as far as you know your weapons and, and your powers and how things work. Um, and it's you know it, it's a core loop. You know, there's really when you break it down, there's not a whole lot to it, but it's engaging. It's engaging. It's fun. Uh, so I mean, it is a good. I mean, I think it's a good game. I really enjoy it. I know that there are plenty of other people who don't agree with my opinion, but <laughs> like me, possibly. But I haven't <laughs> played it, so I can't really say. But what I can say is that if you like the shooting, then I think it's more that Bungie did really good in what they do well, but they didn't quite understand how MMO feedback loops work in the traditional sense. There might not be enough reward for a lot of people who are used to playing, let's say, World of Warcraft, which kind of rains down purples from the sky. <laughs> I, you know, even I'm willing to admit that, you know, they are definitely new to the whole loot system thing. It, it can be intensely frustrating. Yeah, which is unfortunate. <laughs> I yes, mean, the, it, the Engrams be very thing was just all over the internet. <laughs> yes, and I, I you know, I, I think even with. I think they really aimed for the raid to be like their crowning achievement, and even the raid is is so random with your rewards that it's just like borderline nonsensical. <laughs> like, is like, it that bad? I, I I literally have friends who have completed the raid like upwards of ten or more times and have not, and have, they may have like a helmet, and then they'll they'll play with someone who does it for the first time and gets like two or three pieces of armor. Like, the first time. Oh, goodness. <laughs> that is not a good way to do things. No. And there's a new expansion pack coming out December 9th, which, depending on your point of view, is super overpriced for $20, considering you paid 60 for it already. Yes, and I have a whole thing about DLC. I'm trying to stay off that soapbox. But... All right. Well, yeah, let's not go there. But anyway, <laughs> in conclusion, if you liked Halo a whole lot and you like kind of MMO loot mechanics and such, I think we can give it a quote-unquote tentative recommendation. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. All right. If you like, if you liked Halo, I, you will like this. Yeah, I, I pretty much assume this much. And it's out for everything, except for PC. So, right. Yeah, go buy it if you want it. <laughs> and you probably already bought it if you wanted it at this point, but anyway. Exactly. That's fine. Alright, next up, Hyrule Warriors. It's Dynasty Warriors with Zelda characters. This might be the best game on our list that I don't own. Oh. I own it, but I haven't played it yet, and I feel bad for not having played it. I played it a good bit, like, in the store, like where they had the little demo thing yeah, set up. Yeah. And, I mean, first of all, I could go off on a whole tangent about how I was kind of impressed with the Wii U, but anyway... <laughs> Hyrule Warriors is a really, really fun game. <laughs> okay, so have you played any previous Dynasty Warriors at all? Yes, I have. Okay. Well, which one and how recently? Uh, I don't even remember which one. It was it was one my brother owned like years ago for the PlayStation 2. Ooh, yeah. So it, it, was, it was a long time ago. That was about the last time I played one. So, <laughs> But I enjoyed it. Even then, I, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I just played through Dynasty Warriors 8 a whole lot, so I'm kind of familiar, but I think that Hyrule Warriors is probably just going to be a more polished and more Nintendo-esque version 
of the Dynasty Warriors formula. I think Nintendo-esque is a really good description. Yeah, which means it, accessible, polished, and not, not a lot of downtime. No, it's... That's a great way to put it. And it's just, it's a lot of fun. Especially if you enjoy, like, the Zelda... I mean, it, obviously it's not like a Zelda canon game or anything, but no. just if you if you enjoy that... Uh, if you if you enjoy Zelda, it's just so much fun just to run around as some of your favorite characters and just wreck people. <laughs> yeah, it's just like fan service galore. If you like that sort of thing. Yes, but so, it's fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. All right, so we're giving a recommendation. Yes, Bye. this this is our first strong recommendation. Yeah, by Hyrule. Man, you know what? All the Wii U games are going to have a really strong recommendation on this list. <laughs> it's like not even funny. And it's because I own one. I have a bias. So I'm just going to say that right out. I don't even own one, but I've, I've played a lot of these like in other people's houses and stuff. And they're just, they're a lot of fun. The Wii U is a fun console. Yeah, Wii U is full of games, which is helpful. Yes. <laughs> All right, off to the next one. The open world game that everyone seems to love. Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor. So, have I've, you played this? I've actually not played it. I've okay. seen lots and lots of footage, but I've not played it myself. So, my impression of the game, having read a bunch of reviews and seen a bunch of people playing it, is that it is a combination of Assassin's Creed, Batman, and some new mechanic called the Nemesis System. So, basically, it's Assassin's Creed and Mordor, killing orcs, all that stuff, stealth, etc. Rhythm-based combat where you press buttons when something's about to attack you to counter them and magic powers. But the notable thing about it is the nemesis system, which is basically, as you play the game you're basically killing orcs in the hierarchy of the Mordor army and it will actually show you actively like when you kill a guy. And if you don't kill him permanently he actually comes back to like smack your face in because he gets... You know, when they kill you, they get stronger, and when you kill them, you get stronger. So there's kind of this weird push-and-pull dynamic narrative tension going on as you're going along with the main narrative of the game. And that's basically the one unique thing about it. But apparently it's enough to get huge Metacritic score. (laughs) Well, what I was going to say is... is that may be the only unique thing about it, but that's a really good unique thing to have. Yeah. So it differentiates itself, but if you played, like, Assassin's Creed and you're, like, not a fan, you're not going to enjoy this a lot. Right. Uh, it, did, it reminded me a lot of the Batman games, because I've, I've, I've played the Batman games, and it reminded me a lot of that. But it, I, I think, too, it just has... It's another... It's like Hyrule Warriors, where it has just that fandom appeal. Yeah. Like, if, if if you're a huge Tolkien nerd, like, I happen to be, but it's kind of hard to go wrong. I hear it's kind of like Tolkien fan fiction in some respect, but I suppose I could save that judgment because I don't know enough about the source material. I wish I knew if this was canon or not. I don't know that. I don't know the answer to that question, if it's canon or not. Yeah, they asked Monolith, and they weren't really clear on whether or not it was. Like, they kind of gave a vague half answer about it. But then again, the only person who really has authority over that anymore is Christopher Tolkien, since J.R.R. is long passed away. Yeah. But this so, isn't related to the movie trilogy or anything. No, so, it, it it's yeah. it's kind of completely outside the scope of everything that's come before it. So it's a rather harmless entity as far as affecting kind of the beloved realm as it is. Like it, It's not going to really affect it either way much. Yeah, so. Hopefully nobody gets too angry about it. No. <laughs> 
All right, so recommendation, not recommendation? I recommend it. Oh, yes. If you like Assassin's Creed, I'd say go for it. Or Batman. I mean, because this is the Batman game of this year. It just right. doesn't have the name Batman on it. <laughs> <laughs> because the Batman game comes out early next year. Ah, delays. Uh, so, yeah. That's Shadow of Mordor. All right, up next, Persona 4 Arena Ultimax, which is an expansion of Persona 4 Arena, which came out a couple of years ago, which was the fighting game sequel to the Japanese role-playing game Persona 4. <laughs> so it's a fighting game sequel to a role-playing game. And then yeah, this we're... is an expansion of the fighting game sequel to the role-playing game. Yeah, we're hitting on two things that I really don't play much of, JRPGs <laughs> and fighting games. <laughs> Okay, so Persona 4 is really good, and Persona 4 Arena is like a halfway house of game ideas between Blaze Blue and Guilty Gear. And I'm sure that makes zero sense to you. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, so it kind of falls in what they call the anime air dash fighter style of fighting game, which is that mostly everything is 2D animated and instead of just having like jumps you have air dashes which makes the games very much more aggressive and reliant on very technical move sets is it similar in any way to naruto uh the naruto fighting games yes uh those are by cyber connect 2 and cyber connect 2 is more about casual fighting games that kind of capture the essence of the property they're based on so, like, they have a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure game and all the Naruto ones. Like, it's kind of like playing the anime, basically, right? Okay. But this is more of a pretty hardcore fighting game. I mean, this was in Japanese arcades and still is right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, so, that, 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 that still helps me understand it, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of like a, you know, a kind of four-button controls, you know, quarter circles and half circles and all that jazz. Yeah. Okay. It also takes a whole lot of time to learn all the different systems, but it's pretty similar to games similar to it. It just happens to be based off a licensed property. Okay. So as far as recommendations goes, I have no idea. <laughs> I couldn't tell you whether or not you should play this, but if you like Persona 4 and you want to see the story as it's being continued which is like the strange crossover, then yeah, you should probably buy this. And if you like fighting games, yeah, I don't see why, any reason why not. And if you're like me and you have a very bad relationship with fighting games? Uh, you know, I would not recommend this to you ever. <laughs> <laughs> For many, many reasons that go beyond the actual game. So, <laughs> so tepid recommendation for a specific audience. Exactly. That's how about it. Okay, and here's something I can recommend to everyone, which is Super Smash Bros. 3DS or the Wii U version, which comes out in November. Yes. Basically, that's, everyone... the one, that's the one fighting game I love. Yeah, basically everyone is going to buy this, so it's like a no-brainer, but yeah. <laughs> let's recommend it again. We don't have to tell you to buy it. We no. know you're going to buy it. We know you're going to buy it anyway. <laughs> I mean, I saw the 50 things in the Wii U version, and I was like, my brain said buy it now. <laughs> <laughs> I pre-ordered it for full money off Amazon. <laughs> and why yeah. should you buy it? Because Super Smash Brothers is the one fighting game that people like me can actually enjoy? Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs>
that's one facet of it. Also, Nintendo fan service, the Wazoo. Oh yeah, and like far too much stuff. To do. Yeah, this I was is... I was really shocked by the amount of stuff they're adding. Yeah, it, it boggles the mind how much stuff they put in there. In a good way. Though. Yeah, and and they fix Brawl, which was kind of like a iffy game, I would say. Yeah, not the high point of the franchise. No, I, I think no. that's the worst one. It was still an okay game. Yeah, but if but... you had one person playing Meta Knight and then just spamming a couple times, it just became not was... fun very fast. Yeah, it was bad. Uh, what character is missing from this one? I can't remember. I don't remember either. Some character... It's like, there's like 40 plus something. They even had that guy from Xenoblade Chronicles, which is almost absurd. <laughs> <laughs> like, everyone's in this game. Go buy it. Yeah, we don't need to talk about it anymore. No, just go we're, we're done. We're done. Go buy it. Go buy it. Doesn't even matter which version. Just buy whatever one. <laughs> okay, so next. Uh, Alien Isolation. Have you played it? No, and I'll tell you why. Why? Because I watched gameplay footage of it, and that was enough to terrify me. <laughs> yeah, I, I would put myself in the same category. As much as I think it's probably an actually good game, I'm not sure if I could deal with 20 hours of just constant tension. Just waiting for this thing to kill me. <laughs> oh yeah, for anyone who seems unhealthy. <laughs> yeah. For anyone who doesn't know what it is, Alien Isolation is a video game attempt to recreate the conditions of the original Alien film. So it's kind of like a pseudo-sequel to that movie, starring Ellen Ripley's daughter. But anyway, all that is just immaterial to the fact that it's basically a stealth game inside of a giant spaceship where androids and humans and a giant alien all want to kill you. And basically, your only tools are stealth, hiding behind things, not making sounds, and possibly a gun or a flamethrower here and there. But both of those are not really that helpful. And the alien can't be killed. So there. <laughs> An unkillable enemy that basically follows you around and makes sounds and vents. And you kind of have to use your ability to detect sensory information in order to survive. And apparently, from what I've read, save points are supposed to be out of the way of your objectives, so you have to make a conscious decision to go after the save point. And if you don't make it, I mean, you don't save because either the alien or something else kills you. So That seems incredibly frustrating. Uh, it might be, <laughs> but it also might be like really compelling and fascinating. I mean, it could be. I mean, full disclosure, I don't like being scared by media. <laughs> so, I don't do horror movies, I don't do horror survival games. I don't either, for the most part. I will play Resident Evil, though, so... Resident Evil is well-designed. Anyway, but this game... This game, I've heard mixed feelings. Some people feel it's a frustrating mess, and other people think it's a perfect recreation of Alien, the idea, concept, whatever. But it's kind of mixed. So I think your mileage may vary. If the concept seems intriguing to you, then I think you might want to give it a shot, but I'm not sure if it's worth a purchase at this point in time. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same boat. I mean, I loved the movies. It's one of the few kind of... It wasn't really a horror movie, but it was kind of like on that borderline on the fence. But I still loved it. It was just a really good movie. Alien is a great movie, yeah. 
so it has my interest for that, but just like you said, knowing that it's just going to be hours of tension just doesn't sound good for that. <laughs> I heard the ending was pretty terrible too, so <laughs> we'll have to see. I feel like this is kind of like a wait and see situation for me. Yeah, I, I'm in that boat. Yeah. So tepid. We're not sure about this one. Wait and see. That's a wait and see. Wait and see. Okay, that's a new category. We'll just new category. That. Wait and see. <laughs> All right. Next, Borderlands the pre-sequel, which is basically Destiny with more humor, kind of. Yeah, I, I didn't enjoy Borderlands, so I've not played Borderlands, but I know I wouldn't enjoy it. Does that make it count? Yeah, I'd, I'd count that. <laughs> now I'll say this: I, I've played a lot of Borderlands too. Mainly because, you know, I, I probably shouldn't say I flat out don't enjoy it. I, I can't play it for long periods of time. That's a better way to play it. Because it feels like grinding? Yes. It, it, it feels like just one long grind fest to me. Huh. Okay, that makes sense. And so I I, I, I really hesitate to buy any more Borderlands games. Because my, my view of them is that they're all the same. That may be an incorrect view, but just based off of what I see, it seems to be. <laughs> so, do you like Diablo? I'm just curious. I do like Diablo. Okay, but Diablo, the grinding feels different than in Borderlands. It feels... Diablo's fun to play, whereas Borderlands just doesn't feel all that fun to play. So, like, you know, because shooters are... A lot of it is about how the guns feel. Right. So, in Borderlands, every video I've seen, it just does not feel very good. Honestly, like, I get the point that Borderlands is supposed to be fun slash funny. Yeah. But But does that make up for the actual shooting? No. To me, it doesn't. I mean, first of all, maybe it's just not my type of humor, but I don't find it all that funny. (laughs) Like, at all. (laughs) So, I mean, there's half of the appeal of the game gone for me. So either you're a person with zero sense of humor or the game actually isn't funny. We, we can't know for sure. We can't know for sure. But it's one of those two things. All right. So uh, as far as Borderlands goes, I think we're both going to give it a thumbs down. Yeah, thumbs down. Yeah. This is our first. This is our first complete thumbs down. Yeah. Also, it's like the third game in a series of like kind of games that are only fun when playing with friends. But that's how most multiplayer games are. That's true. That's very true. Plus, it's like the third in a series of games that are all exactly alike. Yeah, which is also problematic. Borderlands 1, 2, and the pre-sequel. So if you played one, you've played them all. <laughs> it doesn't matter how many scopes or doodads you put in a gun. It still shoots. Yep. All right, so Borderlands, we're all both going to give a thumbs down. Wow. Nope. Wow. We were really bad to Borderlands. <laughs> we're going to get to hate mail for that one. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. All right, uh, give us hate mail at whatever Andrew Crawford's email address is dot com. Hey, not cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next, The Evil Within, which has a much cooler name in Japanese, Psycho Break. Oh, man. Yeah, it probably is more accurate to the title. But anyway, so basically, this is Shinji Mikami's new survival horror sequel to Resident Evil 4 shooting monsters in the head kind of game. And have you ever played this or seen it or anything? <laughs> uh, this is another one of those. I saw the trailer and it was enough to terrify me. 
And this is weird, but I don't like horror media at all, but I'm interested in this one. Based solely on reading reviews and hearing that it was a fairly difficult game. Like enough that you had to learn enemy patterns to actually live. Well, that sounds kind of up your alley, because you like Dark Souls. Yeah, so it might be, but it also might frighten me out of my mind. I'm not sure which. <laughs> yeah, I heard there's a lot of what they call body horror in it, which is, you know, kind of the uh, hostile, torture porn, possibly, sort of creepy stuff. I mean, it's basically... Uh, mild spoilers right here at this point. It's supposed to be like a mind trip through various uh, horror set pieces and sequences because your protagonist may or may not be going crazy. So you're just kind of like rolling through various like horror places like, you know, whatever kind of horror movies have been released in the past couple decades. So it's kind of like that. And basically it plays like Resident Evil 4 except it's a lot creepier. So Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at screenshots at it, and the way you're describing it, yeah, it, that's that describes it down to a T. Yeah. Also, the PC system requirements were so over the top that it was like frightening to me. <laughs> I assume that's <laughs> not actually what the system requirements are. Otherwise, that would be insane. So, so it's like it's like the new generation's crisis. I yeah, I think it requires like six gigs of VRAM or something. Because Crisis was insane when it came out. It was like only computers at NASA were able to play. Or <laughs> yeah. to run it at anything except ourselves. Yeah, that was a little over the top. But as far as Evil Within goes, I'm going to give it a tepid recommendation because I don't know whether or not it's good because on traditional review sites, it's hard to really get a sense of what their expectations were for it. Like... Is it supposed to be a difficult game, or is it supposed to be a challenging game, or is it supposed to make you frightened? Like, the objective of the game wasn't really well displayed, so... It, it might be for you, it might not. <laughs> I'll give it a tepid. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if that's... If the horror survival thing is up your up your alley, then worth a look. Yeah. Not me, though. Not for me. <laughs> not for me. <laughs> I mean, it seems like a very interesting game. I would, I will give it a shot at some point. In time, so. so, there's my recommendation. Yeah, he got mine. All right, <laughs> all right. Next up the list, Bandana Two. <gasps> okay, so that's a sequel to my favorite game of all time. So I'm gonna be biased. Well, go ahead. Give give us your. You've played this, haven't you? Uh, yes, I have played it extensively, at least twenty hours at this point. You're the knowledgeable one of us, too. So, Bayonetta 2 is a little bit worse than the first game, but the first game was nearly perfect, so that's not a bad thing. So, ah. yes. Basically, so, so, it's like the, so it's like the Toy Story sequels. It's, yeah, it's kind of like the Toy Story sequels, which is weird, right? I mean, the first one was perfect. There's just no way to follow it up, but they're pretty good in their own right. Yeah. I mean, not everybody would say Bayonetta the first game is perfect. I just say that. <laughs> I think it's just a well-paced and excellent combat action game with scoring and all that stuff I love. And Bayonetta 2 is pretty similar in that respect. And if you have a Wii U, you get the original Bayonetta with it. So, Oh, that's cool. I don't even know what to say other than if you own a Wii U, you really should own it. I mean, just what you said right there kind of makes me, if I get a Wii U, that, that's all the list. Yeah, I 
you know, comes right with the original game. And apparently this is not a limited edition thing or anything. It just comes with the original Bayonetta. See, that's a really cool thing to do. Yeah, because the original Bayonetta had weird problems with it. So if you bought the Xbox 360 version, you got, like, a far superior version of the game compared to the PS3 version. Because whatever company they outsourced the port to was, like, really bad at figuring out how to actually port it over. So whereas the 360 version was running at, like, 60 frames per second for the majority of the time, the PS3 version was running at, like, sub-30. Wow. Yeah, it's super bad. But the Wii U version apparently is the best port, and it no longer has screen tearing, and it looks perfect. So, there you go. <laughs> so, it's the best port of an excellent game from last generation, plus Bayonetta 2, which is good in its own right. And I can't see any reason not to recommend it to just about yeah. anyone, except for people who have a problem with her as a character, which is a whole different problem. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to touch that. No, we're not going to touch that. <laughs> We both recommend it, though. We're yeah. both in on it. But as far as I could tell you, I would say at around hour eight, when I actually finished the game for the first time, all that stuff became immaterial to the actual combat mechanics, which are just brilliant. So, there you go. Yeah, we both recommend it. Yep, recommend We're in. <laughs> if you're buying a Wii U for it, that's even better. Yeah. 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 I'm hoping to see the sales are high, but we'll see. Alright, so next up the list, Civilization Beyond Earth, or as I like to call it, Alpha Centauri 2. That's actually probably a more appropriate title. Yeah. <laughs> but nobody knows what that is, so... Uh, Civilization... we, might be, we might be the only two people who know what that is. Yeah, that's pretty sad. That makes me sad. So, Civilization Beyond Earth is the spacefaring version of Civ 5 which is being released as a separate retail release and not an expansion because money (laughs) (laughs) excellent reason so have you played Civ 5 at all I've played lots of Civ 5 I really enjoyed Civ 5 I thought it was a great game okay so this is basically Civ 5 with aliens that's enough and completely different tech trees it's basically like as if, you know, like you did this, you know, the space victory, right? You send the yeah. shuttle off to Alpha Centauri and all that stuff. And then basically your civilization lands. So the tech tree goes on from there. Like, so it's kind of like the science fiction version of the uh, civ tech trees. And you go on through that. And then you also have to deal with alien civilizations who have like totally different AI patterns and tech trees themselves sometimes they can be technologically superior and other times they can be not as good so it kind of changes all the dynamics of stuff when you have like starships flying around right so are these alien civilizations in addition to like are you playing against other civilizations that presumably did the alpha centauri thing as well and you all kind of land at the same time yeah i think it's something like that and then the aliens are a separate faction that i don't think you can play so they're kind of like an unpredictable element. Like a wild card. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm in on that. Yeah, it's an interesting title. I don't know if it's worth $50. No, not for me. Yeah. It's, it's something I'm willing to wait on. I think it would be kind of like, I played so much Civilization that my brain hurts, and I need something aesthetically different, and with a little more verve and change to it, but... 
I don't know if it's like a full retail thing for me right now. No. No, I'd agree. And I mean, it definitely, for anybody who's played Civilization, I mean, this is kind of like the dream, right? I mean, you get to the end, you send off your colony, you've always wondered, okay, what happens next? Man, I wish I could play what happens next. And now you do. You get to do that. Yeah, I think I think it might be a little more narrative-focused than the original Civ Five too. So it kind of has like a vague morality system to it based on how your civilization grows and there's some other new things tactical map stuff uh i'm not sure whether that's enough though (laughs) no it it never i mean i honestly when i first saw it when it was coming out on steam i was actually really surprised it was 50 dollars yeah because i thought it would just be an expansion right i was thinking more in the like 25 maybe 30 but 50 just seemed like a lot. That seemed like a lot of money to ask for what you're getting. Yeah, I mean, it better be, like, super different. <laughs> I mean, me, I, I feel like I feel like what you're going to get is good. Don't get oh, me wrong. Yeah, I feel like sure. it'll be good, but just not $50 good, if that makes sense. Yeah. If we were to make a, if we were to make a, a recommendation solely on price, we would have to say not so much. Right. Unless you had played so much Civ Five that your brain just hurts. Right. <laughs> so I think we recommend the game. We recommend just... the game, just not for the price. Right. Another new category. Yes. We like to comment on games we haven't even played. We're doing a lot of that. Yeah, we're doing a lot of that. You know what? You can pretty much tell how a game plays when you watch it at this point. That's true. And I mean, to be fair, for when we get to, like, November and stuff, nobody's played those. So. Yeah, we're just kind of guessing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's a tepid kind of recommendation and kind of not. Yeah. Recommend it, just not for the best. Yeah. All right, next up is Sunset Overdrive for the Xbox One exclusively, I believe. Uh, Yes, I played this one. And this is an open-world Tony Hawk Jet Set Radio-esque shooter from Insomniac games which made the Ratchet and Clank series right it's actually this is actually a really fun game I don't own it I've just played it and it's this is one of those I always felt like because my brother was more of a PlayStation guy than I'd ever been Yeah. and and so I played some of the Ratchet and Clank with him and honestly just kind of felt like that kind of you know kind of loose silly you know it's a game all you know it doesn't even pretend to be serious but it's just a lot of fun because you get awesome weapons and you get to do cool things i always felt like that was something that the xbox in general was just kind of missing hmm. I, f- I felt like you know i i've been xbox all the way i've i've been xbox one xbox 360 and now the xbox one you just said xbox one twice but that i know that is what most people do but that's... I don't really know how else to say it. It's but anyway... The, the first Xbox. That's how I like to call it. Okay. The first... Uh, okay. Well, I've had it since the first Xbox. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll say it that way. And, I mean, there are a lot of good shooters, but just most of them are that Gears of War, Call of Duty, where, you know, they take themselves very seriously. They're narrative-driven. <laughs> and they're... Yeah, they're oorocking. That's, that's a good one. That's a good thing to call it. 
And so I felt like this is something we were missing because this is just unabashedly a game. A game. It's just a game. It's just fun to play. It's, it's, you play it for fun. It's a game. <laughs> <laughs> so. And if uh, you love, and if you, you know, if you're into the whole, I mean, it's, it's Tony Hawkish, but think parkour, not like skateboard. Yeah, more like it, jumping around, grinding on whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's it it's it's parkour really, but just kind of with a with a like you said with a Jet Set Radio kind of Tony Hawk feel to it. It's 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 what would happen if Jet Set Radio and Ratchet Clank like got together and said, "Hey, let's make one game." <laughs> it's it definitely looked a little slow from the stuff that I was watching. Maybe that's just me. It doesn't feel slow when you play. Yeah, maybe maybe it's just a video thing. I'm not sure. I I think so because honestly, when I when I played it, it felt very fast paced. It felt very like I was in the action the whole time, and it was just so much fun. Yeah, that's good to hear. I mean, it looks kind of like this, kind of like oh, we're kind of a crazy generic third world open game, you know. <laughs> but if it's actually something genuinely enjoyable, then I wouldn't hesitate to actually buy it. Yeah, I recommend it. It was a lot of fun. Right. It, it was it was very much one of those games where you play it and it's like, oh wow, this is really fun, and you know, an hour has gone by. <laughs> Yeah, it's basically zombie shooting combat. Yep. It's, it's, I keep saying it's fun. It's just fun. That's the only way to describe it. I also hear it's funny, so we'll have to see about that one. Yeah. It's kind of funny. <laughs> kind of. I Your think maybe now of, we have our answer. I just don't have much of a sense. Your sense of humor is impenetrable. We don't even know what <laughs> makes you laugh. We can't know. All right, so I guess we're going to recommend that one. Yes. That's another double thumbs up. I reckon. All right, and we are moving into November. Call of Duty Advanced Warfighter. Or Warfare? I can't remember. It's Advanced Warfare. Okay, I'm wrong. The other Warfighter was the Medal of Honor game that bombed. Yes. <laughs> You're right about that. <laughs> okay, so uh, it's Call of Duty, so... You know what? It's going to sell 20 million copies anyway, so anything I say is irrelevant. I mean, do we really even have to say anything at this point? I mean, Call of Duty games are just Call of Duty games. <laughs> Call of Duty. Call of Duty. I mean, it's, it's Call of Duty. Call of Duty. You either like it or you hate it. It's selling 20 million copies regardless. Uh, recommended? I like Call of Duty, so I'm going to recommend it. Okay. Because <laughs> I can't really say anything else. It's Call of Duty. If you like yeah. it, you like it. You don't. If you like you it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. That's just the way it is. <laughs> A game in a similar vein would be Assassin's Creed Unity. Which... I would actually argue that this one kind of departs a little bit from the typical Assassin's Creed. Yeah, actually, because it's on a, it's by a new development team, which is a contrast based off of what they've been doing before. Because apparently they've been using the same set of developers for the past eight years since like the first one. Because, you know, they've been doing the annual installments the whole time. So this is like new tech, new hardware, a whole new engine, all that stuff. So and you can, is, this you is can like even tell just by seeing it that it is. Yeah. Like, it's obviously a new a new engine and everything. It's obviously new, and it runs at 30 frames per second, which is kind of sluggish. But <laughs> they were kind of excusing it by saying it's like, it's very much more cinematic. And I'm like, come on, guys, you're on next-gen hardware. Just get it to run. 
Yeah, I, I was I was kind of of that opinion as well. Yeah, but anything the notable new feature of Assassin's Creed Unity is that it has four player co op. Yes, which is a complete departure from everything else, where you've been by yourself pretty much the entire. Yeah, because apparently you can be stealthy by yourself, but with four people, you can also be stealthy because it's a video game. Because video. Games. Yeah, because video games. Duh, <laughs> that's how it works. Ian's but. Out- yeah. This is actually one I know a good bit about, and it's actually different in the sense that they're also kind of abandoning the other Assassin's Creeds, whether it felt like it or not, were just incredibly like point A, point B linear. Like yeah. you're you're just you're literally progressing from point A to point B to point C and it you know, it didn't feel like there was a lot of deviation. Yeah, but and then do from, all the side quests. Yeah, but from everything that they're trying to convince us of we'll see whether or not it's the truth, is that they're kind of departing from that. They're kind of trying to introduce a little more open-world feel to it. I mean, there's still going to be missions, obviously, but that instead of a, you know, instead of a one way to do this, you know, only one way to be successful, there are a variety. How you go about it is going to be completely up to you. There's going to be a, a variety of ways in which you can accomplish said objective. Huh. That sounds a fair bit better. It definitely seems more fun. The other Assassin's Creed's could kind of feel grindy. Because there just was only one way to do something, and you're just trying to get to point A to point B. Yeah, I think that's how I was feeling by the end of 3. Oof. Man, I mean, man. I haven't even finished Brotherhood yet. So. Really? Wow. Okay. You are... I have played up to 3, and I haven't played anything beyond that, so... I would call myself pretty well versed in the series, but it was just getting super repetitive by that point. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel that already, and I'm only on Brotherhood. Yeah, Brotherhood is... I don't even... You know what? I think it got high ratings because of the multiplayer mode. I'd agree with that. And not so much because the single player is very good. Because it's super short. <laughs> and then, I, like, I still I still thought the first one's probably the first one they've done. The best one they've done so far. The first one? I love the first one. I thought the first one was really good. The first one is very focused. And I liked that. Yeah. I thought the other one's kind of... Like, with two, I didn't like the whole improving the city kind of background mechanic. Oh, really? You I thought, didn't like that part? No, I, I just... Huh. I did it, you know, I did it for... You know, because it was there, and I'm, I'm kind of a completionist, and so, you know, I... And it was it was kind of cool, but I just felt like it was really distracting from what. Oh, huh, I like that part. Really, there to do. You know what happens if you do like all the side quests and stuff? You end up maxing it out by. Uh, I want to say like a little, like a fourth of the way through the game. <laughs> it happens really fast. So once I ended up maxing it out, it was like, oh, I'm super overpowered now. And so I no, just see, I, I don't know that I ever even finished all of it because I just thought it was really distracting. Yeah. Well, you know what? It was... I felt like the Assassin's Creed 2 series set, you know, the whole Ezio stuff? Yeah. It was actually the most interesting things they've done. Because Assassin's Creed 3 is just awful. It's glitchy and weird, and I've fallen through floors. <laughs> and, like, the guy doesn't run right, and, he, you know, you're trying to chase a guy, and it runs up walls, and it tells you to do things the game hasn't taught you to do. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a right. mess of a game. But so, 
Supposedly, Don't Unity is getting away from all this. Yeah, but. so that's good. <laughs> so, I guess we'll give it a recommendation, but you know what? Pfft, we haven't played it yet, so... Yeah. Hard to really say. So, recommended? Yes? No? I'm gonna say maybe yes. Because it's Assassin's Creed at its base, so it's still gonna be Assassin's Creed-esque. But perhaps the co-op will actually provide more fun. I'll go ahead and say yes. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll buy into supposedly the new kind of the new direction. You'll buy into the marketing. Yeah, I'll buy into it. Okay. All right. <laughs> and next, we have games that we have actually played before, which is the Halo Master Chief Collection, which is Halo one through four with online multiplayer and a beta invite into the Halo five multiplayer. So, and access to the Halo TV show. Oh my goodness, that's a lot of stuff. So that's about $60 for a ton of content that has been remastered for newer systems. I'm unbelievably excited for this. Yeah, so that's a, a super good deal if you like Halo. Yes. And, and, not only, nice. and not only you know, is there everything we've mentioned, but they've actually added new content into the campaigns as well. Like, uh, from, from my understanding of it, uh, if Anybody who's played Halo before, you remember like the terminals from Halo 3 and Halo 4, they've added stuff similar, they've added more of that, and they've added stuff like that into the first two as well. Huh. So do they make the campaigns flow into each other? Because that would be really cool. I'm actually not aware. I don't know the answer to that. I would hope. Because I, I would think hope. that that's what made Halo 2's ending so jarring, was that there wasn't a Halo 3 to follow it. Right. And if they had fixed that, that would have, like, you know, cover all sins. Yeah. You know, full disclosure, I don't know the right answer. But I'm going to go ahead and say that it, it would make this... I mean, could they really do this any other way? Yeah, I would. I mean, if you're packaging it together as one game, yeah, I would have disc you know <laughs> i would hope that you could kind of seamlessly go from all through all of them like in like for instance if you were doing co-op that you could just kind of seamlessly through one party go through all four i would hope yeah wow that would be a super long co-op game <laughs> but it would be epic yeah, would. <laughs> so good <laughs> i'm just i'm so excited plus we get to play halo 2 multiplayer with all the original like button combos and stuff intact on the Xbox One. Yeah, and I believe the Halo 1 and 2 are the anniversary editions. So those ones have been HD remastered and have all neat bells and whistles and such. Yes. So if you like the original graphics of Halo 1, which, you know, I do. <laughs> you can switch back to those if you like. Yes, you can. And in Halo 2 as well. They kept that mechanic in Halo 2. Yeah, so this is a pretty substantive package, and I would say, I would say get it. Yeah, with as much as you're getting for sixty dollars, like that is, it's such a good, it's such a good price value. Yeah, <laughs> which is unusual for a video game. Usually, like they're never, like sixty dollars for a video game is like almost never a good price value. Like honestly, uh, except unless you like it's the really the best game ever. <laughs> For you, right. Yeah. But other than that, they're really not. But for what all you're getting with this, yes, this is actually a really good price value. This is a lot of stuff just for an HD release. Yes. So, I would say I'd recommend it. Like, if oh, yeah. I get an Xbox One, I'll probably get this at some point. Yep. 
it's gets two thumbs up for me, and it gets a special third thumbs up because it's gonna have over five thousand gamers score. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's a lot. And and I I am a confessed achievement addict. Okay, so achievement addicts and Halo lovers alike will like this collection. Yes. Yeah. So we've actually played. I haven't played Halo Four, but I played the other three, so I could say they're pretty all pretty good. I played all four, and I actually thought four was probably one of the better ones they've done. People have told me it feels like Call of Duty. Is this true? That depends. Is the ability to sprint at all times, does that make it feel like Call of Duty? Mm, kind of. Because <laughs> that's real. On, if, for somebody like me, I, I've played the Halos religiously. I've poured more hours than I'd like to say in all of them. <laughs> and from my perspective, that's literally the only thing Call of Duty-esque in Halo 4. Is you can sprint at all times. Huh. Okay, good. Because it's not made by Bungie, so that changes things. Right. I actually thought 343 really stepped up and did a good job. I thought it was a good game. Okay, so Master Chief Collection does not contain ODST or Halo Reach? No, it does not. Okay. Are those getting released separately at some point? I've heard nothing. I've heard nothing of the sort. Wow, that's kind of a weird omission now that I think about it. It's kind of a shame, because Halo 3 ODST was probably the most underrated of all. Yeah, because it's strange. <laughs> that was a really good game, though. Huh. I could do a whole podcast on that game. I love that game. Yeah, I never played it. That's why I'm curious. Andrew's special outside-the-box recommendation. Play Halo 3 ODST. <laughs> yeah, okay. So uh, buy an Xbox 360, don't buy an Xbox One, and play the ODST. And, don't, and also buy an Xbox One, which is not backwards <laughs> compatible with anything. <laughs> and also by the Master Chief. Yep, I just recommend it a lot. Okay. <laughs> All the Halo things, by them. That is Andrew Crawford's recommendation for the day. Yep. Alright, and let us move on to the next game, which is the expansion to World of Warcraft, Warlords of Draenor. And since I am currently subscribed to World of Warcraft, I think I could say a little bit about it. Do tell. Uh, a lot of people didn't like... The Mists of Pandaria expansion, a.k.a. Pandaland, a.k.a. lots of Chinese stereotypes jammed into World of Warcraft. <laughs> <laughs> Which was, in my, I thought it was one of the better expansions, but it also did a lot of weird things like daily quests which didn't reward enough but also made you do a lot of repetitive things and there just wasn't enough content. I mean, spread really thin. So if I was to make a charted list, I bet we could say that it's been about 14 months since Blizzard has released anything new in World of Warcraft. So That seems like a long time for people <laughs> that help to wait. It's a long time, and that's why we, I think WoW has lost about a million or two since that time frame. So I'm not sure about Warlords of Draenor, but I'm going to say... That if you liked World of Warcraft before, it's probably a good time to get back in. And I'm sure a lot of people have already resubbed like me. Because you get a free level 90 character just by buying it. Really? Yeah. So you can start right away on the new stuff and you don't have to level up. And I've already done the intro quest line for the level 90 boost. And it's actually teaches you how to play the game in like about an hour. Really? That actually sounds something that I would be interested in. Because I've never played... I mean... 
I shouldn't say I never played WoW. I played a little bit, like a tiny bit of the intro of WoW, and that was the one thing I walked away from. Is I felt like they didn't really teach me how to play the game. <laughs> yeah, I think that's part of the problem. There's so much stuff that they don't really teach you how to play the game very well. Like, their yeah, intention that's... is try to teach you without you using outside resources, but I think that there's just a dense wall between the play new players and this game since it's like 10 years old. Yeah, that, that's how I felt. Yeah, I could see how that could be a problem. But the level 90 character boost, it does try to teach you how to actually play the game. Because what it does, instead of giving you all your abilities at once that you would have just by being level 90, it kind of parses them out to you as you do quests. And the rewards are you get additional abilities to use. So it okay. lets you try them out and kind of like a non-dangerous environment so that you kind of get a feel for how the character works in a very short span of time. So, okay, that yeah. makes sense. It's that, neat. That, that sounds like it would help. Yeah, it's pretty neat. So this is probably why they did it so that people could jump back in and not have to go through the hassle of leveling through old content they haven't really updated in a while. <sighs> cough, cough, Burning Crusade, cough, cough. <laughs> it's been a while since they did any of that. I think I've gone through that area like five or six times. They haven't even updated it since 2007. Get to work, guys. Get to work. Disappointing. It's just the same old quests over and over again. Anyway, war. you know, it's supposed to be a pretty good update. So I think anybody who is interested in World of Warcraft in some way, shape, or form should at least give it a shot because you do get a free month subscription. And I believe the battle chest is like 20 bucks. So it'd it be is. like 70 bucks to get a level 90 character and start right away on new stuff. Yeah, you're correct about that. It's 20 bucks because I, I looked into it. Yeah, so it's 20 bucks, 50 bucks for the expansion, and you get a free level 90 character. So you save yourself a whole lot of time. Yep. I so, mean, even I'll recommend it because, I mean, because as somebody who's never even played it, that it's it just seems, it appeals to me. Even though it's something that is has been around and I've never played it. It does a pretty good job of appealing to someone like me. Yeah, so that's good to know. <laughs> so we're going to recommend that one. Yes, we are. Yeah. Plus, there's a bunch of new features if you haven't, if you've played the game before, like garrisons, and new dungeons, and content, and a whole new continent, and all that stuff. The standard stuff you'd expect from an expansion, and right. plus the ten years of content that you may or may not have played by now. So, yeah, recommend it. Yep. All right, next, Dragon Age Inquisition, which is coming out for previous-gen systems as well. I found it recently, and this is the third Dragon Age game, and I guess the end of the trilogy, yes? <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. Okay, so we don't know the answer to that. We will find out through the power of Google. Is this the end of a trilogy, or is this just a random game? Do, 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 do. Please fill airtime. <laughs> um, I actually have. They recently put on sale the first two games on 360's online online shop, and I've bought them, but I haven't played them yet. Huh. But I have played pretty much everything else RPG-ish that Bioware has made. So and so, and I enjoyed. I've played all the Mass Effects. I've played 
both of the Knights of the Old Republic? And have, have they made anything else? Uh, RPG-ish? I don't think they made Knights of the Old Republic 2 off the top of my head. They made Jade Empire, and they made... Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate 2, and... Oh, I, I didn't know they did that. I think they made MDK2 also. Man, this is really dating me, isn't it? <laughs> when did MDK2 come out? I don't remember, actually. It came out for the PC in 2000. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Bioware's been around for a while. But and they're most mostly, of what they made is pretty good. Yeah, but they're mostly well-known now for Mass Effect Dragon Age stuff. Right. And Knights of the Old Republic. And the MMO Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, Baldur's Gate is like their second game. Wow. And Neverwinter Nights, really? Oh, wow. Okay. We're, we're learning. We are <laughs> learning things right now. <laughs> we are learning things. Anyway... So, you are probably the one who is more familiar with the Bioware stuff. I'm assuming that, like, again, uh, I have them on my console, haven't played them yet, the first two. I'm assuming that they're like everything else in Bioware's wheelhouse, where uh, you make different choices, like dialogue options and different choices as far as how things turn out, and they actually affect the way things actually happen in the game, which is always an interesting which isn't always an interesting mechanic in a game. Hmm. Okay, so the one thing that I have seen is that I know that Dragon Age, the original, has a, I don't want to call it turn-based combat system, but a more strategic combat system than, let's say, Mass Effect does, either one or any of them. So it's more of like a top-down like, you can pause the game at any time and then queue up actions for party members sort of thing. And then the second game was more of like an action RPG where you just kind of spam buttons most of the time. And this game's combat is supposed to be a hybrid between those two kinds of combat, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I've watched it. Uh, I mean, I, I've seen some of the like gameplay footage and stuff they've shown, and it it does seem to kind of walk that middle ground where it does kind of have more of the. Uh, you can kind of stop and make decisions kind of thing, but but still kind of having some more of that fluid things are happening kind of action. Huh. Alright. So as far as recommendations go, I guess if you like Bioware games, and if you've played the first two Dragon Age games, this would probably be a good idea. Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, I'm probably going to buy it. I mean, unless I play the first two and they're just I hate them. <laughs> Which is but I, possible. Possible. I know people who like Mass Effect and hate Dragon Age, so. Possible. Yeah. Not likely. It, with it being like a fantasy thing with swords and dragons and stuff, it's pretty hard to mess that up. <laughs> it's the dark fantasy, so. If you like that kind of setting. So, yeah, I recommend it. Alright, well, uh, not, not so much for me, but. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just excited for this next game. Alright. So, uh, next up is Far Cry 4. Have you played Far Cry 3? I love Far Cry. Okay, so that's why this is on this list. Yes, that's <laughs> exactly why this is on this list. 
and this is basically like Tibetan Far Cry. Yes, it's it's a, basically everything they did with Far Cry 3, just better and in a different place. And because Far Cry 3 was on a tropical island. Yeah, which is fun. This but... is in Tibet. Oh, did this you, is play, in the... you play Blood Dragon? No, I haven't. Oh, I played Blood Dragon. <laughs> Blood Dragon is fun. I need to. I have it. I own it. I just haven't played it. So if you like Far Cry 3, I'm guessing Far Cry 4 is going to be pretty similar with improvements. Yes. And I've actually extensively researched this one, and it's they've taken... You know, obviously we haven't played it, so this is all kind of supposition. But supposedly they've taken everything that was really good about Far Cry 3, which is, you know, a living environment that is kind of completely random and can take you by surprise. Um, You know, full of its own dangers and stuff like that. You know, a good combat system where you can kind of do it how you want. I played the entire game as a stealth game. I have a friend who played the entire game as an LMG you know, heavily armored, just kind of break in, break the door down and kill everyone. <laughs> it's kind of entirely up to you how you do things. Uh, so they've taken all that and just kind of added even more stuff to it. For instance, elephants. Need I say more? Yeah, elephants! <laughs> <laughs> there are elephants involved. Duh, elephants! Um, and supposedly, they've also added a new mechanic where um, depending on how there's actually a broader conflict going on, which was absent in Far Cry 3. You know, because Far Cry, Far Cry 3, the island you were on was already completely controlled, kind of, by the mercenaries. And so... Huh. You know, you Far know, Cry 3 Blood Dragon is pretty similar in that respect. And so, I mean, yes, you kind of, you helped the... Uh, I can't remember their name, the tribe of people. You helped them take over the island, but it never really felt... Aside from the fact that the NPCs changed and they no longer shot at you, it didn't really feel like you were making that much of an improvement upon things. You were just kind of changing sides, I guess. Yeah, I can see that. But, supposedly, in Far Cry 4, they're changing that and making it to where whichever side of the broader conflict you actually decide to help or thwart actually changes the way the... the, uh... Kriot is actually the name of the place. It actually changes Kriot. Huh. So it kind of has, you know, that, which reminds me a lot of Fable. That's how Fable was. You know, the world actually changed and looked completely different depending on which way you went. And supposedly they're trying to add that. Which Fable game? <laughs> Fable 2. Okay, so I only played the first one. That's why I'm curious. Uh, Fable 2, yeah. Yeah, the first one doesn't quite do that. <laughs> no, I've never played... Only played the second. Well, I played Fable Two and Fable Three. I haven't played. Three. Yeah, well, I don't think you really need to. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not going to recommend Fable, but we are going to recommend Far Cry Four, I guess. Yes, uh, I, I think it's going to be excellent. I mean, I, I, that's another game I could do an entire podcast on Far Cry. 3, so it's kind of like an open world murder sandbox. Yes, that's actually a perfect word. <laughs> kind of like Assassin's Creed, except with guns in first person. Actually, I thought the better comparison for Far Cry 3 was Skyrim. Huh. It was like Skyrim with guns, but with a much, much, much more lethal environment. It kind of follows that Ubisoft template. That's why I'm thinking of it that way. Okay. I I, I see where you're going with that. 
yeah, like you open up the map and it's like, oh, a billion dots. Let me go to that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I see what you're, I see what you're getting at. Yep. So I guess we'll recommend that one. I strongly recommend. It. Okay. Yeah. If you like Far Cry, you'll probably like this. Just open world games in me are kind of like eh, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next on this list is Persona Q: Shadow of the Labyrinth, which I don't know anything about other than the fact that and it's neither a do I. Persona crossover game, which is kind of like a mix of Etrian Odyssey, if you played that, and Persona Three, Four, and whatever other fan service characters you can imagine. And since they don't own a 3DS, and neither do you, I don't think you're going to say much about it. So, wasn't this a game that Justin Fox was supposedly supposed to go on and on about? Yeah, let's call him and see. <laughs> and if we can't get a call, I'll just edit this out. But Add to group call. He may or may not pick up. We'll find out. We can always just splice it in later. Just get his opinion and just splice it in. Yeah, we'll have him record a little thing and then he'll say... People who listen are like, what? He just came in for one segment. (laughs) This is a good game. Justin Fox. (laughs) That's our Justin Fox segment. Alright, well, if he doesn't pick up the phone... He doesn't pick up the phone. I'm kind of here. Okay, you're kind of here. Okay, you're kind of here. We just need your opinion on Persona Q, Shadow of the Labyrinth. Shadow of Colossus? Did someone just mention Shadow of Colossus? No. No, the Persona Q. Oh. The 3DS thingamajig. Oh, okay, okay. What about it? Do you recommend someone to buy it? Oh, well, like I said, my, my... My my wife, my honey boo, my boobala, she's the one to really consult with things like that. Okay, well, so let's say let's say you are your wife. Would you recommend it? Uh, her being a Persona fan and a total nerd about it, she has already pre-ordered that and pre-ordered the special edition 3DS uh, Persona uh, uh, 3DS. So yeah, um, go ahead and get that. Okay. That sounds like a solid recommendation. <laughs> Very solid. Yes. <laughs> it's 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 a lot of Persona fan service uh, wrapped up in a simple RPG, but still all the Persona goodness is in there. So it has all the characters. It has the characters from uh, three and four in it. So yeah, there's, there's so much fan story service within it, and uh, the gameplay is um, uh, pretty standard, along with a couple of new tweaks and everything. So and plus they're all chibi. And uh, and uh, that's adorable. So yes, uh, go ahead and pull the trigger on that one. Okay, pull that trigger. Cap, cap, pull that triple. <laughs> okay, so that's our recommendation. All right, off to the next thing: Pokemon Omega Ruby in Alpha Sapphire. Apparently, Pokemon stuff is becoming annualized. So if you like Pokemon, you'll like this I guess that's okay. as much as I can say about it yeah, uh, I can, that might be in Call of Duty territory where it's just like okay it's it's Pokemon like, it's, it's Pokemon. yeah it's Pokemon yeah <laughs> I, I, I nearly I get into the Pokemans I didn't get into the Pokemans um so cause, cause from, from, from my perspective like, I was like I was like ah Junior year or or in uh, senior year in high school when Poke when the Pokeman started coming out, 
So, um, I'm looking at like, okay, this is a simple RPG. I can play this or Chrono Trigger. So I chose to play Chrono Trigger. <laughs> so, so I mean, not Pokemon and everything, but like for for me, just knowing what it was, and already been a gamer and everything, I was just kind of like this. It, it wasn't my market because it seemed like it was marketing to little kids. So I didn't, I never did get into it for those reasons alone. Um, and never have really seen a reason to really get into it because I tried a couple of times. You know, I was like, well, it's it's cool, but you know, it's not anything I want to take a lot of time into. So I'm I'm the wrong person to ask about the Pokemans or. <laughs> say anything about the Pokemans. Yeah, I guess I would say I haven't played a Pokemon game in, like, since Fire Red, so that would be about a decade ago. So I'm not sure how much <laughs> yeah. of a recommendation I can give it. I haven't played any since Silver, so... Oh my goodness, yeah. I haven't played Silver since the save battery died about a year as I was owning. <laughs> That's unfortunate. But it, this is a remake of Ruby and Sapphire, which are the Game Boy Advance uh, Pokemon games, the original ones. So I guess it's kind of a similar game. It's just for this new generation of 3DS stuff. So hmm. I'm going to give it a recommendation because people love Pokemon and they're going to buy it no matter what I say, so it doesn't matter. Yep, it's in that Call of Duty territory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 would, I would go in that direction also. It's, it's, I mean, none of them, none of them are like bad games so you know it's kind of like Zelda has his own category almost it's like man that Zelda game is awful in contrast to other Zelda games yeah. so, <laughs> so, so it's like okay that's that's, that's that's in his own that's in his own lane his own class you know that's a terrible Mario game well Mario's pretty awesome anyway so yeah you know compared <laughs> to other Mario games yeah. yes that's terrible <laughs> so Alright, so let us move on to December, where the releases get a little lighter. And the first up is Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. So does anyone except me know what this is? Not a clue. Uh, I do. <laughs> yeah. So Captain Toad Treasure Tracker is a puzzle platformer, which is based off of a mini game that was in Super Mario 3D World. So it's kind of an out there game concept, which explains why it's only $39.99 instead of full price. And so you're basically guiding Toad around in trying not to die while using items and not being able to jump. <laughs> so I assume all the levels are going to be designed around interesting mechanical interplays between like using items and stuff. And you can only take one or two hits before you just drop dead. So that makes it a little more interesting. <laughs> nah. Mm. Well, that just seems I like mean, no fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, just I see that game, and uh, if you hear a bunch of horrible noise in the background, I'm at work right now. They're doing construction. Um, so that's pleasant. Um, yeah, like the, the, the toad. The, the, the toad. I mean, it, it's one type of games where I know that it'll be really good, or it would be like a, a good game, but it's not a game that actually interests me, though. I'm sure it'll be awesome, though. No. Yeah, it's a strange kind of game. I think it's going to be more like it uses the gamepad in interesting ways, unless like a straightforward puzzle platformer, like like a billion other indie games that just came out the past like five years. So it's not Braid Nintendo Edition. 
Yeah, I I agree with that. So I'm going to recommend it because I'm probably going to buy it. But <laughs> I don't know whether anyone else would. I I just don't even know if I can have an opinion. <laughs> Go watch some videos, Andrew. I mean, just for the description, it doesn't sound fun. <laughs> great. I've done a great job. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I guess that's right. kind of a recommendation. All right. Next, we have Guilty Gear Exerted Sign, which must be the most confusing name for a video game that I've ever heard in recent memory. And this is the new Guilty Gear fighting game, which is very similar to the Persona games we listed earlier, Persona 4 Arena Ultimax. So, uh, since I don't know enough about this to say much about it, I'm going to say Guilty Gear was pretty good, so this is recommended. Yeah. I think they have, I mean, the way fighting games are, are, are anymore, it's like they... They're constantly being refined, like constantly being refined. So you know, you. So they've. So most fighting games have like are have been Capcom, Capcomized. Yeah. That's right, Capcomized, meaning that they come with little small upgrades. So you know, Skullgirls and Skullgirls Encore. And then you have you know, then all the other Guilty Gear Xs that have come out. You know, Guilty Gear X X X and X Accent plus Alpha Street Fighting of Purple. You know, and or whatever else they're going to be doing. So, um, a lot of fighting games are cap combinized. So, because um, the fan base is so animated about, hey, I want this for you. I want this. I want this. I want this. So, I'm just recommended because by default it will be is Guilty Gear. It's, it's a solid, solid fighting game, definitely. And this is going to make it better, even if you get one that the first um, version of it that's maybe has its flaws, but you know it's going to be awesome. And in, in, in 2D looking and beautiful. Yeah, it's not even 2D. It's like a kind of a cel-shaded 3D thing that they're putting in 2D. So it actually looks like two-dimensional animation while not being 2D at all, which is super cool looking. Anyway, look up video of this. It's hard really to describe on a podcast. But uh, uh, as far as Guilty Gear goes, this is like the first actually new Guilty Gear game in about a decade. Because everything else has been an update of Guilty Gear XX. So, as far as I'm concerned, this is probably something worth picking up just to, like, mess around with. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I'll recommend it. Sure. <laughs> just join in with the crowd. It's all the peer pressure. Sure. All right. Great game. Go for it. Great game. <laughs> Great game. All right, and last but not least is the Kingdom Hearts 2.5 Remix re-release thingamajig for the PS3, which contains Kingdom Hearts Final Mix, which is an update of Kingdom Hearts 2, and Birth by Sleep, which is a PSP game, which is now on PS3. So, have either of you played Kingdom Hearts, and do you like it? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed Kingdom Hearts. That was a fun game. Okay, and I'm guessing Justin has played Kingdom Hearts 2 at some point in his life. I have. I got to Monstro the Royal in the first one, and that's as far as I got. My wife, she has um, the second one, and really, really enjoyed that one. Um, and it looked like a better a better constructed game, I guess, you know. To me, at least, 
Um, and to fix the cameras, thank God. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but I understand that Zachary has a big old hate ball formed in his in his throat because of the story and everything. I'm just like, who cares? <laughs> so I'm gonna call this right now. I'm gonna call this a hate purchase because I'm actually gonna buy it and play through it again because I hate myself. So. Because I want to know whether my opinion is actually correct or not. It's not really a hate purchase. It's an exploratory purchase. You're going to explore whether or not you're really dying. Yeah. And it yeah. comes with Birth by Sleep, which people have recommended to me. So I think it's kind of worth it. I might wait the next year to get it for like 20 bucks. Because I'm not sure $40 is even a good price for this. Yeah. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. I think... But still, I mean, you are getting a pretty decent value. I mean, especially if you really care about the the series, and there are many, 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 many um, white girls. I'm just playing, but many people who actually um, enjoy the series a lot. You know, like you know, like emphatically, you know, like, oh my god, it's getting more than that. So um, yeah, for the value for what you're getting, plus you get a nice little HD remake of that. Just just get it. The games don't suck. Their story is dumb, but then again, a lot of, you know of uh, of a uh, RBGs of its elk like that are also needlessly complex because they get into the abstract too much and then they just kind of fall collapse within their own BS and pretentiousness. So yes, let's go ahead and get it. Go to it. Quick. So it's got Don Duck. Donald Duck. Like zippers in the smell of pleather. Please buy Kingdom Hearts too. <laughs> that might be the best review we've got on that. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, and so I guess that's the end of this gigantic list. Yeah, we got to the end of it. And I can't think of anything else. Unless something else is coming out in December that's going to blow my mind. If we haven't covered it, then it's news to me. And I'm open to being surprised. Alright, I, I guess I'm going to call that a day. <laughs> <laughs> So, this has been the Theology Gaming Christmas Shopping Guide Podcast. If you like what you heard, go on iTunes, give us a five-star rating, and if you want to talk to us, go to Theology Gaming University, our Facebook group, and tag Justin Fox a whole lot. A lot. Like, all the time. All the time. Echo! Alright, so, I think that just about does it so thank you to our guests Andrew Crawford and Justin Fox for putting up with me for however long a period of time say goodbye see you guys Justin